Welcome in. Thank you for joining me. This is Scoot Talk Sports Episode 7. We're back. Thank you very much for allowing me to have a little bit of a break the last few weeks. It's been a manic summer, obviously, uh, with a lot of things with COVID, also with Hannah heading back to work. Uh, it was a nice time to sit back and reevaluate how often I wanted to do the show. So I just wanted to touch base on that really, really quickly before we get into the show and our really amazing guest today. Uh, so going forward, the show will be on Fridays. Fridays at 12 o'clock Central Standard Time every week. Uh, unless there's some sort of Valor game or some sort of sporting event that I might want to go to. But we are going to do it weekly on Fridays at 12 o'clock, one to two segments a week. And the plan is to keep that rolling going forward. It's been something I've really, really enjoyed. It's been an unbelievable experience bringing some folks on, having good chats, learning about them. So looking forward to continuing this uh, as we move forward. So thank you very much for being here. Today's guest really exciting he's a local guy uh in terms of where he's played professionally and where he's chosen to live but he's uh you know a canadian at heart and uh, a winnipegger i think a, a little bit of adopted one he's uh, a professional former professional canadian football uh, league player so that's gridiron football we're not talking about soccer we're talking about the old hand egg as some would call it uh he's he's uh, not only played for the local team but he's also someone who's known throughout the community for doing a lot of uh, different uh, community events uh, speaking up for causes equality uh lots of different work within the covid community like covid issues getting people to get vaccinated and i thought it would be a really really great opportunity to bring him on chat a little bit pick his brain on his experience through sports from grassroots to now and sort of how it evolved and and how it kind of uh, um, helped evolve him as a person so you can tell i'm a little bit rough with this it's been a few weeks off i'm trying to uh, sound as professional as possible but uh, appreciate everybody who's jumped in early but without any further ado we're going to head on to our first guest john rush again former winnipeg blue bomber and winnipeg resident welcome in john how are you i'm good how are you not too bad I'll close my uh, my laptop back here. We're stealing all of realize. your financial information. Yeah, I know. I didn't realize that. Uh, I wasn't sure how much of the uh, screen you'd be able to see of me here. And then my my dogs obviously are going to be in the background roaming around everywhere. I, I I'd hope they'd make an appearance at the very least. I mean, they they seem like they're a little bit part of your brand, John. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. It seems like the every profile photo, it's about seventy percent dog, and then John just kind of trying to get the face yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it works. It's the yeah. same with the bed and and everything else in my life too. So they're they kind of just they run the they run the show here. They're the real stars. Yeah, as long as you know who's the real real boss, for sure. So big yeah. thank you, John, for making the time to join me here on this Friday. I know you've got a lot going on. Uh, you, you've got you got your job, you got life, you've got all the different events you're going on, and somehow you make time to be one of the most active social media members in Winnipeg somehow. So really appreciate you making the time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I always uh, I always enjoy doing this and, and getting out there and talking to talking to people because uh, if you follow me on social media, you know I like to talk a lot. So. <laughs> Just I think I think I think if you check out his social media, guys, you'll know he he likes to chat a little bit about almost anything at pretty yeah. much any time. So it's it's exactly. fantastic. I'm really appreciative of having you on. I thought what we'd do is we'd start by talking a little bit about, you know, your grassroots, where you grew up, uh, and then just kind of flow through there, see what comes up. You can let me know what you're comfortable talking about. This is a very casual kind of thing. I always view it as, you know, it's 12 o'clock, so it's not really appropriate to say we have a beer out at this point, but kind of a conversation over a drink. That's how I always like to set these these uh, these interviews. So the first yeah. thing I want to mention is you, you were born in Niagara Falls, which for a lot of folks that watch this channel uh, are overseas. And so they would immediately know where that is. It's not like Winnipeg, where I have to kind of explain and point out and let them know where it is. Did you grow up in Niagara Falls or did you were you just born there? No, yeah, I grew up there. So I was born and raised in Niagara Falls. And uh, it's pretty interesting, actually, uh, because... You know, a lot of people know Niagara Falls, obviously, because it's, a, you know, one of the seven wonders of the world and it's, you know, a, a giant tourist destination. Uh, but it's actually a very small city. It's only got about 80,000 people in it. And I always kind of uh, equate it to growing up in some place like Las Vegas. You know, Las Vegas is an unbelievable place to visit, I've heard. But like you wouldn't really want to grow up there. You know what I mean? It, it's, it was a very interesting uh, way to grow up. Uh, living in a, a very that because that that is 100% of the industry was the tourist industry like it's, it's all anyone did so it was a very it was a very different upbringing than most people had so 
what was your first memory of of getting involved in sports? Was it like, something you watched? Were you playing sports as a young age? Like, what was kind of your first memory of being like, hey, this is a lot of fun. I'm enjoying this. Yeah, no, I've been playing sports since, you know, I was, I think I started playing like Timbit soccer, you know, that's Tim, Hort yeah. Tim Hortons, like sponsored soccer across Canada. And, and I think I was on like the orange team, orange Timbits, you know, like, uh, I think I started playing that when I was like three or four or something like that. And uh, I never really liked soccer. Um, it wasn't aggressive enough for me, I guess. <laughs> um, and then, you know, then I moved on to hockey. I grew up, I, you know, as every basically Canadian does, he grew up playing hockey. Uh, I got kicked out of the, got kicked out of my hockey league in grade 10 for being too aggressive. Uh, so I basically had only had one more choice and, and that was football at that point. So I was, I've been playing football since I was nine. Um, and, you know, I always wanted to compete against my older brother and be better than him and things like that. So, uh, you know, I, I was, basically always just trying to be my older brother. So I, I just kind of played all the sports he did. How old, how old, what's the age difference between you and your brother? He's two years older than me. Two years older. Okay. So yeah. my sister was five years younger than me and I always felt like she was trying like, well, she did. She best be at everything. I, I just forged the easy path and then she set the records. Right. Yeah, but uh, exactly. I think that's what it is. You're the younger kid. You're the younger sibling. You want to make sure everyone knows that you're the better one. You know, Someone exactly. takes a little bit of the path and you're just like, no, nah, that's, that's easy. Let me show you how it's done. Exactly. Did, did you guys ever have the chance to play together? Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I think we played one season together. Like that was it. It, it was, uh, we were always kind of just missing each other. Uh, but yeah, I think we ended up playing like one season together in like grade when he came back for like a, an extra year, because in Ontario you can do like a grade thirteen if you want. Yeah. Um, it's this like weird loophole, basically only for athletes. Um, but it's it's great. I never did it, but it's great for a lot of athletes. They can kind of like upgrade their marks and just play high school sports for another year. Um, but yeah, so he did that, and I uh, I was in grade eleven, and I got to play with him that year. But that was it. Here's a question for you, because, uh, you know, I, I only played a couple of years of, of of gridiron football. Like, so I was always the hockey hockey, as you said, is sort of a not an option. You sort of have to try it at some point growing <laughs> exactly. up. in Canada. Yeah. People yeah. are going to weird, weird, be weirded out if you haven't. Exactly. Um, but here's a question for you. At that age, when you're jumping into football, nine, 10 years old, do you know what kind of position you're throwing in? Or does the coach kind of make an evaluation of, hey, you're this kind of a size. We're going to throw you in at this spot. Like, is that how it works? Yeah, that's basically how it works. When you're that young, it's just like, oh, you're big, so you're going to be on the O-line. Like, oh, you're tall, so you're <laughs> tall and skinny, so you'll be a receiver. Oh, you're, you know, short but muscular for a nine-year-old, whatever. You'll be the running back, basically. It, and that's kind of that's kind of how it works. It's like a, it's like a really weird system um, that doesn't really make sense but like there's i mean with nine-year-olds there's not really a better option you know yeah. it's it's kind of just what it is yeah and that's sort of the starting point anyway i mean uh, there's so many positions in 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 the, in the sport like it's it's you get placed one place you're going to learn about the other position you're playing against and at some point you may want to switch right i well, remember yeah, i was exactly. I was slotted in as a linebacker just because they were like oh you're a hockey player you sort of fit the mold of a linebacker and it just it was a fun position, um, but I, I sort of broke the rules the first couple times I was in. I, I again coming from hockey, this guy had convinced me forever to gun in there, and I hit a red-shirted player the first the first uh, practice, and uh, that wasn't apparently something you should do. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Tough lesson bad there. Call. Yeah. Yeah. Bad call. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a question: When you get into that lower level league, did you start away right away at your kind of fullback linebacker position that's uh, that you sort of were known for, or were were you kind of put around the field what was your first like positional love let's say um yeah like when i started when i was young actually i was uh they tried me out at o-line at first because i was i was always pretty big as a kid um but then they moved me to fullback and that's i loved playing fullback i had so much playing fun playing fullback which is interesting because like after i played fullback until like high school uh, and then I never played fullback again until I got to the pros. <laughs> like they called me up, they called me up, like, "Hey, how do you feel about playing fullback?" I'm like, "Haven't played since I was like ten, but sure. Like, I, I guess I'll be a professional fullback now." Like, uh, and then, and then, yeah, like I played, I played a lot of linebacker too, just because I liked to hit people, basically. So they're just like, "Yeah, we'll throw him there, and he'll just go hit people. It'll be fun." And like, I mean. 
it sounds like from your hockey experience, the aggression, that linebacker spot probably really suited you. You're ready to get out there and kill someone as soon as the play went, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So you're you're playing at that young level. What's it like playing at that level? Like, is there a lot of hitting 9, 10, 11 years old? Is there rules around what you can do and what you can't do at that, that age? Uh, like, it's, it's pretty much, you know, like, it was full-on tackle football, but for the most part, like, you know, if anyone spent any time around nine-year-olds, like they're all unathletic, like no one's, no one's athletic at that age. Right. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad football uh, from what I, especially from what I can recall and especially knowing what I know now, it was, you know, it was pretty bad, but I mean, like they're nine, you know, you would, if yeah, you expect yeah. it to be good, then, you know, you're an idiot. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, you know, it's, it was full on, you know, con full contact, full tackle football and, and stuff like that. So, uh, it's essentially the same, you know, as, as high school and, you know, college and all that. So what's the progression? Like, I imagine you start at kind of a community club and then as you move into maybe high school, do you go like, what, what's the choice there? Do you go into high school or is there a community team that you continue to move into? Like, what yeah, was your progression no, it, from there? It's, it's pretty interesting how it works. And I'm not sure how it is in Manitoba, but in Ontario, there's a couple options of how it works. Um, so after, you know, after you play, you know, your tyke or whatever you want to call it, football at like 9, 10, 11 to like basically 13 or 14 when you go to go into high school, then you can play high school football. But uh, there's also the option to play on like their like travel teams, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and in the in the uh, in Ontario, it's called the OVFL, which it was it was kind of a weird league because they blended the NFL rules with the CFL rules. So it was like it was like four down football. But, you know, you still had to get five yards on punt and we still played with Canadian, like in a Canadian field, which is bigger and wider. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it was like a, it was like a weird league, but like you traveled all around Ontario doing it. Um, so like that, like those would be the two uh, that you play. So you play high school and you play, you know, travel football. Uh, and then and there's also the provincial teams, which is like, I played for Team Ontario. Uh, and there's like a provincial, you know, a national provincial tournament where you guys all face each other and stuff like that. Uh, and then from there, hopefully, you know, you've piqued the interest of some coaches at universities and, and you get recruited to a university. So appreciate that because it, it, it seems like every province sort of has a little bit of a different system when it comes to like that, like football, gridiron football, especially when it comes to the rules. And I find that very interesting, the melding of the, the NFL and the CFL, because as much as we're you know Canadians, we love the CFL. We love the game that the Canadian, the Canadian game brings. It's exciting. It's different you know, a lot of kids grow up and they watch NFL and they're like, that's the dream. Right. And so is that something that you enjoyed that melding of rules or is it sort of like you're preparing players for wherever they may head if that's NCAA or CIS? Yeah, I didn't really, I thought it was kind of stupid to be honest. Um, it, it wasn't the, it didn't really, there was no like real rhyme or reason. There's not that many kids that go to the NCAA that for it to make sense. The majority of kids are going to the CIS uh, and playing Canadian football. Um, and realistically, American rules are so much easier to play with. Like there's like, there's no motion. There's uh, it's a smaller field. Like, there's like, it's so much easier. If you, if you learn the Canadian rules, you, it's so much easier to go play American football because they're like, Oh, you're just not allowed to do any of those things. And that's, that's it. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's much simpler, right? Exactly. Yeah. So if you learn the American rules and then try and play Canadian football, you're like, what, the, what, what is going on right now? Like you guys are all moving. Like what is happening? It's, it's a, it's a lot harder to do it the other way around. Was there a bit of fun in the locker room? I, I imagine when uh, you were with the bombers where Americans come up and they're learning the, the rules for the first time, was it a bit of, is it was it was it more challenging for them coming up here and you guys are kind of laughing at their learning or was it something that they picked up pretty quickly oh no it's, it's actually it's, it's a huge thing that they struggle with to be honest and it's it's a huge reason a lot of americans don't make the cfl actually it's it's pretty interesting to watch Billy, come on sorry it's just winding right here That's uh, all good. Here, um yeah it's, it's a it's a huge reason the uh these um, these uh american players don't make the cfl because uh, there's a couple of reasons. A lot of them will come up and they just think they're better than everybody else, that they came from the NFL, that they're just going to make the team and they don't really have to do anything. And it's just like, bro, this is a completely different game. Like, it's not 
it's not the same thing. Like if you don't know the rules and you don't know where to be, like you're screwed. Um, and like, especially for like receivers with the waggle, the waggle and the CFL is so important. Uh, and a lot of them just can't get the hang of it. And if you can't get the hang of it, doesn't matter how good you can catch a football, you're not going to make the team. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge problem. And it's something that uh, it's something that the blue bombers put a, a huge emphasis on because I obviously, if you're a good football player, we want you to make the team. It's not like, it's not like we like, or like, Oh yeah, screw this guy. Like we, we, we're going to do everything in our power for you not to, it's like, no, like you're a good football player. We want you to make it. We we're going to put time and energy into you learning it. The problem usually lies in the American mentality. And, and you know, if any Americans are following watching, like, it's it's your mentality that you think you're better than everybody else and you don't have to learn. It's it's a it's a massive problem. And tons of guys ruin their entire football careers because of it, because they can't get over their ego and mentality. It's it's very it's very interesting to watch actually. I was going to say, as a, as, a, as a fan, I always kind of find that story interesting as, as, as if I'm putting aside the personal turmoil and struggle of, of that player trying to, to get a fit. But it is interesting where you see players who have, you know, played dominant seasons in the NCAA Division One, and then they come up here and they look lost. Uh, yeah. They don't... It, it's almost like that that motion for a lot of the offensive players, it just throws a, a loop for them and it, they can never really get comfortable with it. And for those who do... And the thing that I've always heard, John, and maybe you can tell me if I'm right here, but it, you have to kind of have your thinking cap on as a CFL player. Like you have to really honestly be able to read the play and also understand what other people are doing with all of that motion happening at once. Yeah. Um, if you're used to one guy being in motion and that's all you need to worry about, it's a very different experience for that defensive side of the ball, right? Well, that, that's exactly it. And, and you know, it's, it's a lot of people... And that's, and I talk about this a lot. Like I hate stats. Stats are probably the stupidest thing out there. You know, it's, it's great. You know, you have a hundred yard game as a running back. Great. Cool. You know, awesome. If you, you know, you, you throw for 3000 yards as a QB, great. Awesome. Uh, but it rarely ever tells a full story of um, a player and their ability, you know? So you see all these NCAA like defense ends are like, Oh my God, he had like six sacks this game. It's unreal. Like he's so good at football. But then if you actually watch his tape, it's like, Oh no, he just went up against like a bad O-line and did the exact same thing the entire time. And, and they're very like one dimensional players. And then they get up here and like all the media is like hyping them up. They're like, Oh my God, he had, so many sacks he's so good it's just like but it's like man if you actually understand football and you actually watch this guy play he's one-dimensional so that and then that and then like exactly you said he gets here and and he's lost because you can't be one-dimensional in the and that's and it's, it's the same in the nfl too right like plenty of guys have dominant ncaa careers and get to the nfl and and flounder because you know it is possible to be one-dimensional in, in the ncaa you know what i mean it, it is it you know, they're, they're, you know, you're going against kids. You're going against 18, 19, 20 year old kids. It's when you get to the pros, man, you're going against, you're going against full grown men who are fighting to keep food on the table for their family. It's, it's different up here. You know what I mean? It, it's not the same in the pros. Like, you know, like you're trying to take away someone else's job. You better be coming with everything. Like that's, it's, it's not the same. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's way different. It's, and it's, you know, I always, you know, sports media sometimes is so, it's so frustrating because I'm just like, man, you guys have just no, like, just, do you guys even talk to athletes at all? Like, there's no idea what you're even saying and half the things that you're putting out, like all the articles, I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. You, how have you been a sports writer for 20 years? Like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, it, it, it honestly blows my mind sometimes watching the sports media and, and like the things they say and the questions they ask. I'm like, it's, it's crazy. It's one of those moments where you're seeing a pundit or someone doing a question and the, the player responds with a, there's that, that momentary face of why are you asking me this question? Yeah. Like, it's yeah, like, no, exactly. that doesn't, that doesn't have anything to do with what, what happened today, but I guess I'll answer it because I have to. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting you mentioned that because stats are something I think people get we're in the we're in the age of analytics in in the sense, right? Where people are they're wanting to see numbers that explain everything. Oh, this, you know, I got this set of numbers and now I know exactly what's going to happen. And it's just like that's not the case, especially in football. There is so much 
at play. And, and I really enjoyed your moment there where it's like you could be playing against their backup right guard that game. And it just you destroy them that game. You have a great game. Everyone thinks you're amazing and then wonders where you go the rest of the year. And it's like, well, it's because you're playing against somebody who wasn't very good. Exactly. Every, every so often I allow uh, someone from chat to just drop in a question. So here's a question from TDM for you, John. Uh, as someone who knows very little around gridiron football, can you briefly explain what makes the CFL and NFL so different? I knew this question was going to come up. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, what do you mean by motion in offense? Yeah, no, it's a, it's actually a great question. Um, the, the main differences in the C between the CFL and the NFL, there's, there's like kind of like, there's probably four, and then there's like very like minute minute differences that don't really that that like that you know you could go on for days about but uh you know so the the big the main differences are fields longer so it's 110 yards as well as our end zones are bigger so our end zones are 20 yards deep instead of 10 our fields also wider there's three downs instead of four so it, it makes it a, a significantly more pass heavy league than run uh, as well as all of the receivers can be in motion at once. So there's a waggle. So as long as you're behind the line of scrimmage at the time the ball snap, you can be doing whatever you want. You can be, most of the time they're running. So like they get like a rolling start so they can, you know, blaze by DBs. Uh, but like they can go sideways. They can motion like in any which direction. They can like crisscross each other to try and screw up like man protection and things like that. Uh, so there's, there's quite a bit of movement on the offense. Uh, and especially amongst the wide receivers uh, to mess with the the defensive schemes. It's it's something that I I, I love introducing. Like I, what I've really found interesting is a lot of the friends overseas that I've made over the last couple of years love NFL. They love the NFL, and I was just like, okay, that's interesting. I didn't really think that was going to be a thing overseas. But now I'm trying to drag them into the CFL. And I'm like, guys, you you love the NFL. You love some of the you know fantasy, all that stuff. How about a game you can't predict what's going to happen? How about a game where you're up by 17 with four or five minutes left? And that doesn't really mean much. Like You might still might lose, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I, I always remember growing up, and this is one of my, like, my first Bomber stories that I can remember, is at the old stadium, the Bombers, I think, were down by 18 or 19. I can't remember what it was. And my dad was like, we're going to go. We're going to go. Yeah. We're going to leave in the fourth quarter. And as yeah. we're driving home, the radio's on. We listen to the Bombers come back and yeah. win the game. And my dad's just hitting the steering wheel like, why did I leave the game? Yeah. <laughs> Lesson learned. No, Never leave exactly. a CFL game early. Ever. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I've been, I've literally been a part of those games. I remember Montreal well, I must have been my second year in the league. We were down, uh, I think, 17, 16 or 17 uh, with three minutes left. And, you know, we scored a touchdown, got the onside kick got another touchdown, stopped him on defense, and then drove and got a field goal. Money Medlock, you know, got a <laughs> got a field goal at the end of the game to win. And and the stands were empty. There was like a, like a less than a thousand people left in the stand. It was insane. That's like that must be disheartening a little bit. As I'm saying, hey, I walked out of the stadium with my dad. I didn't have a choice as a kid. All right? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, um, but it must be disheartening when you're like you just battled back to make this epic win and you go to look at the crowd and it's just like you guys all left. <laughs> Come on! No, no. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. A lot of people, a lot of people think that then um, it it doesn't really play that big of a factor. Um, you know, home field advantage certainly does, and having the crowd on your side, hundred percent does. Uh, but that's not like the main motivation of the guys. Like, uh, you know, we do it for each other. We do it to, uh, you know, because we understand how much work we put in for each other. So. Uh, you know, we would play in empty stadiums. It, it wouldn't really matter. It, you know, it's obviously amazing to play, especially right. in Winnipeg, uh, in front of our fans, how good they are. And, and we sell out and it's, you know, a crazy environment. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's we don't do it for the fans. We do it for like each other kind of thing. So let me touch on that a little bit. The idea, the identity of a football team, the, like the kind of family unit that gets created through the experiences that you guys have together. Is there anything like that in like, – you know, hockey, there's a smaller room, you know, there's other sports. When I see football players and these kind of long lasting lifelong connections that you guys end up having, especially when you're in particular units, whether it's, you know, your defensive unit, the linebackers or whatever it is, like, is that something that you end up creating lifelong relationships with these guys where it's, it's something that you can't really 
I don't know, compare to what, what a family or a friend, it, it's this mix of professional and, and, and friend, or what, what is that like? I, I truly don't know. So I'm kind of babbling off here. No, you're on the right track. You're on the right track. It, uh, it's actually something that's like very much talked about in the locker room. And uh, it's actually like one of the main reasons guys prolong their careers for uh, like a longer time past, like when they maybe wanted to retire or, past their prime just because uh just because we understand that there's nothing like that uh in the rest of society there's there's nothing like that locker room and that brotherhood we always talk about the brotherhood uh amongst uh the you know in in the locker room and amongst the team because (laughs) i remember i remember i was interviewing for this reality show once and they were talking about how how grueling it would be. It was like it was an outdoor show, and they're like, "Oh, like you've never done anything this difficult in your life." Like you know, military people complain about how difficult it is. I'm like, I'm "Like, bro, do you even do you even know how hard uh, a like a like a professional football training camp is?" I'm going against like 200 to 300 pound fucking animals every day, trying to rip my head off for four hours on the field, I wake up at six and I go to bed at 11 and the entire day I'm doing something. I practice for five hours. I work out for two hours. I watch film for 12 hours. I guarantee going out and building a fucking campfire in the forest is not that grueling. (laughs) I promise you, you know what I mean? So, but like the thing is when you get, like when you do that, when, and and that's the thing, like, and that's the thing, like you don't even have to have played with the guys. It's kind of just like, if you've done it, you're good. You're like, it's understood that you've accomplished that. And like, like, if I'm anywhere in Canada and, you know, I need another CFL guy, you know, it's, we got, we got it. You know, it's that instant. Oh, Hey man, what's up? You know, like you just, you, you have that now where, because like, because we know, we know how difficult it is to do something like that. Um, so you just have that instant connection with anybody else. It's literally like, and and I don't want to compare it to going to war because obviously like war is a a whole other thing, but you're going to battle, you know, you're going to battle and you're trying, you're trying to, like I said before, you're keeping food on on that table for your family. You know, like these guys have like wives, kids and and things like that. Like if they lose their job, like that's their livelihood. Right. So you're, you're going to battle every single day. So making that team is, is really like, you know, it, it really forges that, you know, brotherhood where like anywhere else you are in life after that, you know, you, you have, you know, you're, you were a part of that CFL brotherhood. You're kind of like, you're good. I'm envisioning you guys walking into a restaurant or a bar and it's just the eyes locking from across the way. And it's just, yeah, man, I know you, we're good. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so here's a question for you. Uh, in terms of when you were growing up, you're getting into football, you've, you've started, you know, really loving the game. You're into it. Was there any sort of big influences or, or motivations that you had? Like, did you have a favorite player or, or a coach or something like that that really made an impact? Or, or were you one of those guys who just had that inner fire? I got kicked out of hockey for being too aggressive. I'm going to show the rest of the world where I belong type of situation. Like, I'm curious uh, what kept you going. Yeah, I, 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 my favorite player growing up was Ray Lewis just because he was the middle linebacker at the time. And I, like, I was a middle linebacker and he was, you know, he was the middle linebacker that you know, everyone kind of um, looked up to it. You know, he was, you know, one of the best middle linebackers to ever play and stuff like that. And, but it, it was, I'd say it was mostly like my dad, you know, like my dad would come to like every one of my practices, every one of my games, you know, he was always there. So uh, I always wanted to kind of do it for him uh, because, you know, he never got the opportunity to do it. And, you know, he, he always brought us to, you know, I grew up in Niagara, so the closest team was the Tiger Cats. So, you know, I, I would always go to that old, you know, shitty Iverwind Stadium. It smelled like beer and piss because people literally would just pee on the side or uh, they wouldn't even go to the water. They would just pee wherever they wanted. Um, it was uh, it was an, it was a wild stadium. It was, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. I had a ton of fun <laughs> growing up. Uh, but, you know, he, he, he would always bring us to those games. And, and we had season tickets to the Buffalo Bills for a couple of years. And uh, so... Uh, you know, it was, it was mostly doing, you know, I always just wanted to do it for him and, and, you know, and myself, you know, I, I, I enjoyed doing it. I loved, I loved playing. I, you know, for, for a, a long time, that was my entire identity was I was, you know, I was the football player. I, yeah. um, you know, I was that guy that played football until I kind of 
realize that at some point it's coming to an end. I, I should probably figure my life out a little bit more here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and now I, I've taken to shit posting on the internet. So, uh, you know, that, that's always fun. But And it's gone but, really well for you, John. Like, let's be well, real. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not a bad time, that's for sure. But uh, but yeah for, yeah, for the most part, I'd say it was, it was definitely my dad that kind of uh, drove me to do, not drove me to do it, but like drove my passion for it. Love that. Love that. Um, we'll switch a little bit away from football. I've been picking your brain on, on one sport this whole time here, but let's talk a little bit what you're doing now. So for those who don't know, John here is like incredibly active in the social world. And he's also really, really involved in a lot of different, uh, I would say really, really valuable initiatives within the city, some animal rights, some animal, you know, rescue, obviously with the two dogs that you have, like love those guys. What are some of the things that you're up to lately and what keeps you like so interested in wanting to be so vocal for folks who, you know, honestly, some some folks who are like us, white males, you know, we don't speak about some of these issues enough. We don't talk about some of these issues enough and we don't educate each other enough about some of these issues. It's, what What's keeping you really focused on? Let's, let's talk about the first one. Let's talk about your COVID wedding dress, yeah. dress up. We'll start there. What wanted you to get that going? Uh, you know, it's interesting, uh, actually, and a lot of people, you know, question my motives and they ask me, like, why I do all this stuff? And I have had an extremely privileged life. My parents, I, I, I'm, I'm not rich by any means. I have, I have an enormous amount of student debt. Uh, you know, I have a, I have a car loan. Sorry, I'll try not to swear too much, but I have a car loan, um, you know, this is I, a, I a swear a, free. This is a swear uh, okay. embracing okay. podcast. Good. So don't feel good. feel, feel okay. free to to speak your mind. <laughs> good. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So you know, I, I have a lot of student debt. My parents couldn't pay for any of my schooling. Like I I, I buy, but you know, my mom my mom worked seven days a week, two jobs. Uh, my growing up in my entire life, my dad worked twelve hour factory day jobs my entire life. I I, I by no means grew up rich, uh, but I grew up very privileged, uh, and I understand that. You know, my parents are still together. Like I said, my dad came to every one of single one of my practices, every single one of my games. When I when I I played Team Canada, I played Team Canada football, and uh, my dad. It was the tournament was down in Texas, and we we were in the we were in the gold medal game against Team USA. My dad flew in the day of the game that morning, watched the game, and flew out that night so he could get back for work the next day. Um, you know what I mean? It, shit like that. So like, I understand most people don't have that in their life. It, I was very fortunate to have some, some thing and somebody like that, a support system uh, that was there for me. Um, and, you know, I've had plenty of people in my life that have come out within the, you know, the LGBTQT community and things like that. And, but I, I don't even think that's really like a driving factor. Like it, it really shouldn't be, you know, it, it really shouldn't be. It's just like, I feel like not enough people, and especially, you know, like, like you said, like white men like us, and I, I was kind of tweeting about it yesterday too. It's just like so many of us don't even look inwards at the privilege we've had in our lives and kind of just expect for it to be continually given to us. And it's like, why, like, how can you not see other people are struggling? Like, and, and, and how does, how does other people getting that privilege too? How does that take it away from you? Like, like I, it's not going to do anything for me. I'm still, you know, and like, let's get real. It's not going to change overnight. Like, it's not like they're just going to take all of the, the, the white male privileges away. It's just like, man, this is, this is going to be an extremely long process and you not saying anything is going to pro prolong that process. And it, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy that more people, you know, don't, but it, it's understandable because it's easier not to, you know, it, it's easier not to say anything and it's easier not to do things. And that's un unfortunately kind of the status quo for, for men is, you know, they, there's that kind of old saying, you know, it, you can't convince someone whose pay depends on it. And, you know, our pay might not depend on it, but a lot of other shit does, you know, like a lot of the privileges that we, you know, us staying quiet, 
means we get to enjoy a lot of a lot of you know stuff other people don't do, get to in society and you know like i've i've you know i'm at the point where i'm just like man like why like like that that shit like no one no one should be excluded you know if, if for their sexual orientation like it just if that's why you're excluding someone it's just like man like you know if you're if you're a terrible person and, and you're like a racist or a bigot or something yeah you're yeah absolutely exclude them that's you know there's yeah. there's reasons to exclude people but uh but you know their sexual orientation or you know whatever it may whatever is not one of them you know who who you love is not one of them and uh you know it, it's it's always interesting to me, seeing how few sports figures actually speak out against it, uh, and it's 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 sad to see. To be honest, it's sad that more uh, people don't because we've, you know, like I said before, like I, you know, I've been enormously privileged in my life with my parents and, and the support they give me and, and things like that. But as an athlete alone, I have a, I have a whole other set of privilege in this world where especially as a great cup champion in winnipeg you know like i can kind of just do things and say things and no one's going to question it like and it, i always find it interesting when you know when i tweet about things when i talk about things i don't really ever get backlash that much you know I, I, here and there i get it uh but i have a lot of friends that are female creators uh like content creators on the internet that are like that are like recipe creators that they create recipes and the amount of you know backlash and comments and things like that they get for posting a recipe yeah. is insane and it, and it's just like and it's just like man like that's not right that they can enjoy being on the internet without you know getting this backlash for absolutely no reason um and that doesn't take away from my privilege you know what i mean like it, it that's the thing it's it, for some reason all these men think that it's like oh like if i support them it's taking away from me like bro what like it it's doesn't just not being a yeah it's just not being a piece of shit like that's all it is like it's like it's not that it's not that difficult of a concept and and for some reason i i, I don't know how to explain it but for some reason most men just don't want to do that they don't want to put in that work and it's uh it's very it's very odd to see and it's, it's disappointing really yeah it's unfortunate like it's really yeah. it's really frustrating because i think once you've um you know, I, I'll be honest. I don't think that anyone I know or me myself has been perfect and understood the privilege I experienced or talked to other people in life. And that's the thing I think, you know, some may be missing. And and what I see, especially when, you know, you were putting up those Instagram po uh, pics of you in the in the wedding dress, you know, getting ready for that that event, doing some uh, some some fundraising and awareness. Like that's 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 another big part of it. You can put the fundraising and everything aside. It's the awareness of here's a guy who played football big masculine white guy throwing on a dress and telling you if you're the one who feels weird about this it's your problem yeah right it's it, i i'm having a great time i'm hanging out with my friends i'm doing positive things and you're sitting there worried about what i'm wearing right you know what i mean and and that's that's what i really enjoyed about that is that you put it in people's face and you sort of said if you've got the issue you need to think about it with yourself it's not me yeah. that you need to talk to <laughs> yeah well and I, I think the most interesting part about that and i know you have you know uh viewers from all over in North America is the only culture in the entire world where it's not normal for men to wear a dress. In literally every other culture in the world, it's normalized that where where men dress dresses or skirts or, or like or or kilts, whatever yeah. you want to call it. It's a fucking skirt. <laughs> like like shut up, it's a skirt. Uh, you know what I mean? And and you know in, in the Japanese culture, you know men wear kimonos and you know, in, in the Scottish culture, they wear kilts and, you know, literally every other culture in the entire world, men wear some sort of dress or skirt and it's completely normalized. No one thinks twice, but in North America, for some reason, you know, a man wearing a dress is just like the worst thing that's ever happened. And it's, you know, it, it, it's why society is, you know, what's everything that's wrong with society is just like, just like, bro. Go I find it hard not that. to laugh when I hear that kind of stuff. Oh. Where I'm just like, it's ridiculous. Like I just, I, I, I know I shouldn't laugh because it's there's people out there with really toxic opinions. But it's like at that, it, sometimes you just have to because it's it's, it's like, hey man, I don't understand why this is a problem for you. But it's crazy. What, 
I think what I wanted to get at though is is you know you've you've been somebody who really just seems comfortable stepping up for others and being able to to create space for others to talk about something. I think that's something that you know if if every you know if every second white guy in Canada got a little bit more comfortable with that kind of conversation and being able to be that way, I think we would be in a, in a much much better place. So I mean, hats. Off. I'm not going to take the hat off because the, the yeah. hat, hat, hat will come off. But hats off to you, John, because I think that's something that that you know, aside from your football, aside from, you know, your experience in life, it's something that people have a lot of respect for. And it's something that you see, you know, as, as much as you might be tweeting about what to eat or whether you're in the hot tub, you know, those, those moments of, you know, this is important to me and it should be important to you. I think they really nail home. And, and I wanted to really say to you that, you know, whether or not it's, it's said on Twitter enough, it's appreciated. Um, no, I, and, I'm, and I'm sure from people who aren't like me, is, is yeah, probably yeah. the more important part. I'm not looking for anyone to, to battle for my <laughs> privilege. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. And and you know what? It really it, it's interesting because it really comes down to uh, like people's insecurities, and and that's what it really you know it all boils down to. It's like males' insecurities about themselves, uh, and that's why they don't want to talk about it, right? Like I don't like I don't care. I I'm a professional athlete. I want a great cup. What are you going to do? What are you going to say to me, hey, what, man? What are you going to say? Yeah, I, I, get, I get guys that call me beta sometimes, and I'm like, all right, bro. Oh, okay. I did something. Exactly. I did something you've been dreaming about since you were five. Yeah, okay. exactly. You're I, angry. I'm it's okay. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like I'm the man. Yeah, no, exactly. So it, it really boils down to, you know, we, we what we really need to focus on uh, is bringing fucking men and boys up to speed here. Uh, and dealing with their fucking insecurities and dealing with their, you know, lack of confidence. Because when you have confidence, you can do shit like this and not care. Because, you know, there's like, you know, that's one thing that being vegan taught me is like a lot of vegans will like get mad when the entire world's not vegan. I'm just like, I've been vegan for almost five years now. It's just not, it's not happening. It's not going to happen. You know, as much as I want it to happen, I would love if the whole world's vegan. I love animals, whatever. It's not going to happen. So what you really got to what we really got to focus on is kind of bringing other people up to speed and, and celebrating the small wins and 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 getting upset and freaking out on those people. It's not going to help. So we, we we really need to help educate these young boys and men and, and get them build that confidence so they can get to a place where they're confident and that they can they can do things like this and deal with the trolls. You know what I mean? Because there's always yeah. going to be trolls. There, it's it's not. We're never gonna we're never gonna get 100% of the men up to speed and on the same page. It's, you know, it's not the world we live in. There's always going to be trolls. There's always going to be people saying shit. Uh, but if we can get a lot more than is, like you said, you know, two out of every five or you know every other man, we can get more men on board and more men speaking about it. We can actually make more progress instead of just you know me wearing a wearing a wedding dress it, it doesn't make as big of an impact if every other man is doing it as well right yeah and i think i think for me it's you know i i had a my first child about a year ago and he's a, he's a son son obviously yeah. i keep saying he but yeah. so that's the thought that i have is how do i how do i teach him some of this stuff early how do i make him comfortable with with you know things that that when i grew up i can remember my parents go oh i wouldn't wear that color or you know i wouldn't do this and it's like I, i'm not gonna be about that like if my if my son wants to wear a pink dress or if he wants to have a purple hat like i don't care if he's if he's happy and healthy that's it right what more and, do you want right how, how do i get to that place right well, we've only got a, a little sorry go ahead i was just gonna say that, that's a whole other story you know scenario and uh I'm 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 not having kids for a reason, so <laughs> might not be the best person to talk about that with. I to be honest with you, it's a long story, but I I, uh, I never thought it would be something that I would be oh, able or go. capable yeah. of, and so here I am. It's just an adventure. That's what life is, Absolutely. right? There you go. Um, question for you from the chat uh, again. Tedium jumping in. Question about vegan uh, or being vegan. If lab-grown meat becomes a viable thing, is that something that you would eat? Something you'd be interested in? Yeah, that's actually, uh, that's a super interesting question. Um, and something that's popping up a little bit more as of late. Uh, personally, I don't know. I actually, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it is a really great question. I, I am not sure. There, especially, especially with like red meat, probably not. 
there are a lot of there's a lot of science around uh, red meat and and pork and things like that. Just straight up not being very healthy for you and like healthy for your heart and things like that. Do I think it's amazing that we're able to do that? One million percent. Do I encourage it to become a bigger thing? One million percent. If if we could get the entire population's dependency off uh, animal agriculture and 100% onto lab-grown meat, eat whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. <laughs> eat, eat red meat then. I don't, your fucking life. I don't care. You know, my my, my problem, not my problem, but why I'm a vegan is because I don't want cows to die. You know, I love my dogs. I, I rescue dogs. Uh, pigs are smarter than dogs. Yep. If I know my dogs understand fear and panic and anxiety and depression and happiness and an animal smarter than that can definitely feel all those things. I don't want to contribute to that personally. And I'm not shaming anybody, but that's, that's, those are my reasons. So if we could get to a point where we're lab growing all of the meat, amazing. Uh, if would I, you know, I would definitely try it. Like I know, I know uh, the company just egg, who does vegan eggs and, and things like that has um, lab grown chicken fingers and they're testing it out in Singapore. And I think they just got approved in another country, uh, out, maybe Israel. I'm not sure what the second country is, but they're, they're, they, they just got approved. So they're like, they're doing a lot of tests out there to, um, you know, taste tests and to kind of perfect it. Uh, and it's interesting because they went to a, an animal sanctuary, waited for a feather to fall off of a chicken uh, picked up the feather and and got DNA out of the fe- I don't know science is fucking crazy. Wow, uh, it is like yeah, like I watched the video on that. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what? And, and then they made chicken out of it. I'm like, okay, like whatever. You guys do you. I uh, like you know what I mean. Like you guys, you guys got it going on. I, I can kind of you know. I, it sounds I'm, like I'm Jurassic Park on another level. Yeah, literally, right? <laughs> like literally, it kind of scares me sometimes, but. But like, you know, something like that, 100% I would try. I would, um, you know, I would try it once when I eat it all the time. I don't know, especially because, especially in the start, it's going to be insanely expensive. Like, there's no doubt about that until it becomes like a mainstream thing that's like huge and, and, and way more commercially viable and things like that. It'll be extremely expensive, unfortunately. Uh, but that being said, there's actually, uh, interestingly enough, an ice cream company that does it with cow's milk. Uh, in California, and apparently it's delicious. Uh, I would certainly try that. Although um, it's interesting because they were able to remove the the lactose in it as well. So uh, people like like sixty percent of the world's population is like lactose intolerant. Yep. Obviously, because we're not cows, so we <laughs> we're not built to fucking process cow's milk. Um, but they this company that like lab grew cow's milk to make ice cream was able to like remove the thing that people are like lactose intolerant to. So uh, like I've, I've heard, I have a couple of vegan friends in California and, and they're like, dude, like, this shit is unreal. Um, so, you know, things like that, you know, hundred percent, I would uh, try and, and like, that, like, that's the kind of the thing about it. Like I was going, like I was saying earlier, like I'm against, I'm against like, um, like I don't want a pig to die or a cow to die for me. That's not, like, that's why I'm vegan. Right. So, so if we had an option like lab grown meat, great. No, no cow was hurt. No, no pig was hurt. You know, like nothing, nothing happened. To say it's the same shit. Yeah, hundred percent. Amazing. That's I would I would love if that was you know if if next year that was like all the rage was lab grown meat. Hundred percent. That is that that is where I want the world to go. It, it, it's it's such an interesting shift over the last 10 to 20 years how it became something of a it was really a niche on the fringe kind of conversation is as time has passed more studies are done we understand the impact of you know agriculture on the greenhouse gases especially when it comes to animals like there's so yeah. many different factors at play that you know you may choose just because you know you love animals you respect your animals there may be other people who that may not be the persuasive argument for them, but climate exactly. change might be, right? And it's so oh, interesting exactly. to see how many multifaceted issues, you know, agriculture and how we eat on a day-to-day basis, it's intertwined with a lot of the issues we're also trying to fight. It's it's just a wild, wild well, time. Exactly. And it, it, it is interesting, too, because that, like, 
then people always discuss like, oh, like, well, this is tradition and it's culture and you're being racist by advocating for it and things like that. And uh, you certainly can be racist by ad advocating for veganism and, and things like that. But um, a lot of the problems are taken away with the lab grown stuff. So uh, it's definitely really cool to kind of see it come uh, further. And, and like to your point, you know, I initially went vegan for my health to lose weight. Uh, all the other stuff kind of came after once I realized, because you're not, you, you, we don't know what we don't know, right? And, you know, I, I grew up in Niagara in the country. I thought I thought pigs were stupid and dirty. And I thought cows were dumb and uh, and all that. And I, I didn't know, like, I, no one ever taught me. I, I, you know, I watched old McDonald had a farm and, you know, oh, these cows are living such happy lives. And then you actually see what animal agriculture does to these animals. You're like, Oh, maybe, maybe this isn't, maybe, maybe this that's isn't not cool. for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't be doing this to animals. Actually, maybe we so. should talk a bit more about where the food comes from. Before hey, well, exactly. Food. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't take a field trip to where your food comes from, maybe we shouldn't be eating it. I don't, yeah. But like, you know what I mean? So like, um, so yeah, for me, like you, like you said, like it's, there's so many different kind of issues that it tackles. And for me, it, it was health. It was health at first. Then the other stuff came after, which is, you know, which is always interesting too. Here's a question for you. When you started yeah. that diet, were you still, were you still playing football? Oh yeah. No, that's, uh, that was my second year in the league. I did it. That was because, uh, <laughs> so that, so my first year I came in, uh, played linebacker, got cut, you know, everything like that. Uh, and then when I was trying to get back in and I had already signed a contract with Winnipeg, they're like, Hey, o Osh calls me up. He's like, Hey, how do you, how do you feel about playing fullback? <laughs> I was like, um, I'm like, you know, what do you think? <laughs> Great response. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's like, I think it would be a really good move for you. And I'm like, I'm like, do you, I, I said, do you, I'm like, do you think it'll help the team win? He's like, yes. I'm like, sign me up. Yeah. Whatever you need. He's like, the only problem is we need you to lose like 30 pounds. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, no. Cool. <laughs> Good. All right. Oh, yeah, no, so no, the no. hammer gets oh, dropped yeah. after the request. I see how it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no problem. I'll do that. And uh, whenever I tell this story, some vegans get upset and some people get upset. They're like, oh, like veganism isn't a weight loss diet. And it, it, it's true. It's not. It's absolutely not. Like, and, and you can be, a, I'm 230 pounds. You can be a big vegan. Like it's, it's not, but, um, I was talking to my trainer at the time. He's like, he's like, listen, you tried going keto. You tried intermittent fasting. You tried doing all of these things to, that are like diet specifically geared to lose weight. Try going vegan for a month and then, you know, see how you feel. You're going to increase your fiber intake by like a million percent. It'll help your body kind of digest and do all this shit. Um, and then he's like, at the end of the month, if you hate it so much, like, we'll just go on and we'll just try something else. And I'm like, I'm like, fuck it, dude. I've, I've tried everything else. And O'Shea said I had to lose 30 pounds. So I'm like, I'm like I don't know what else to do. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't really have a choice. Um, and then, yeah, and that's kind of like, that's kind of how it, you know, it started and, and kind of came to fruition. And so, yeah, so I was, I was vegan at, um, from then on. So, so for my second year all the way through and uh, that whole entire first year I was, vegan i hit it from the team i didn't like because i when o'shea called me and told me to, to, to lose 30 pounds i didn't tell him like, oh yeah i'm gonna go vegan like um that's not what happened i was just like okay i'll do it that that, that was it and uh so the entire first year like i hit it from the team because i was afraid they would cut me for it and then uh you know it's not really something that you can hide that well especially when it's a lot of my online presence is me being vegan um so it slowly kind of started to come out amongst the team and then so when when we're in season at the stadium we get breakfast and lunch provided to us uh it's like it's like and it's like buffet style it's really great they they took really good care of us which is awesome and uh you know all of a sudden like the chef would would like i'd be going through the line the chef would just be waiting at the end and, and i'd get to the end he'd be like he's like oh he's like i actually just had uh an extra beyond meat burger just randomly it? here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was like, perfect. okay. Like, and, then, and it started like kind of like, then all of a sudden there was kind of like specific meals for me. And then, and then I'm like, okay. So like, I feel like so they kind of know like, uh, and things like that. And then, and then it kind of like, and then eventually like everyone knew. And, 
Um, but it was interesting because then it snowballed into this thing where like the chef was making basically like half and half because so many guys wanted the vegan food because it was like, it was so good and it, they felt so much better after eating it. So it was like this kind of crazy snowball effect into this, uh, uh, into this bigger thing there. It's interesting that you mentioned that because we have a, a question here from Linzor. He's a friend of mine. He's a, he's a vegan as well. And so nice. he wanted to ask, you know, how long did it take you to make the switch? I think you adjusted that. Uh, when teammates or other professional athletes found out were vegan, did any of them give it a try? Or did you find a lot of resistance uh, be along the lines of not being able to get proper protein or nutrition? So you kind of jumped in there that like people started to get involved, started to dive into the vegan options. What was that dynamic like? Was there was some hesitancy or... That's that's a really great question. It's one I get uh, quite often, actually. And a lot of people assume that like the guys would have like you know made fun of me, and 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 you know like we're men, boys will be boys. Is the saying like they're gonna make fun of you? They're gonna make fun of you for something. Boys are always gonna make fun of you. We're always chirping each other. We're always chirping each other about something. It's, it's part of being matter. a friend. You gotta exactly. Well, exactly. That's <laughs> like that's literally what being a friend with a male is. Is that you just make fun of each other like ninety percent of the time. Uh, but like, you know, like no one was ever like malicious and being like, oh, you're a fucking idiot for being, you know, like nothing like that ever happened. It, um, it was nothing like that. But, uh, so how I went vegan, I did it overnight and I recommend no one else ever doing that. It was terrible. I hated my life. Um, I didn't know how to cook anything. I ate the same meal for an entire month. I literally hated it. It was the worst, but, um, that's how I started. And, and then I, I, you know, now I have like a vegan food blog and I've very much taught myself how to cook vegan and kind of, I'm trying to help other people learn as well. Uh, so I've come a long way, obviously. Uh, but to address the question of the resistance, like not really, uh, more, more guys were inquisitive. No one really went vegan fully. Uh, a lot of guys started eating a lot more vegan foods because of it. Uh, and it opened up a lot of conversations and, uh, in my like second or third year, it was also when the movie, the game changers came out. So a lot of guys were super intrigued about that, but, um, the unfortunate reality about football, excuse me, football and, uh, as well, a lot with the American players, um, it's so like ingrained in you that you need meat and, and things like that. And it's so ingrained in the American culture, especially, uh, it, it's very difficult to kind of change that narrative. For them, uh, but that being said, it did open up a lot of conversations because a lot of guys were, you know, a lot of guys would have like, you know, like a rack of ribs or like, you know, like a, a, a bunch of chicken on their plate, and I'm sitting there eating my like chickpeas and and like whatever chickpea salad and quinoa, and the guys would like look over and be like, how the, how the hell are you doing this, dude? Like, what, how, what's going how do you, on? How here? are you like, not just skin and bones? I don't understand. Exactly, well, exa yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and like, and, and that's the thing. Like, I'm not a small dude. I'm 230 pounds. Like. I'm bigger, like I was, aside for like old linemen and some linebackers, I'm the, I'm one of the bigger dudes on that team. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the old, the old linemen, D linemen obviously are huge, but fullbacks are two, at 230 pounds. Like I'm, I'm a big boy there. So like, so guys were kind of like looking at me and I'm doing like, and, and the thing was, it's not like, it's not like I wasn't doing the thing. It's like, no, I was going out there and I was, you know, I was laying the heads. I was, you know. I was smacking guys and, and guys are like, bro, how the hell are you doing that? And, it, and it's interesting because, you know, from the time you're like nine, you know, when I started playing football, but from the time I was nine, like, you know, we had coaches being like, oh, if you want to get big and strong, you eat protein. How do you get protein? You eat chicken, you know? So like all the college, I ate like chicken and brown rice. And sometimes I'd have broccoli and like, it was so bad. It was, I hated my life. You know what I mean? And um so like, but like, that's all we knew because that was ingrained into us from the like time we were nine. Right. So, so guys were just like confused and like, dude, how do you get your protein? And like, uh, but there's so much more than just protein in those things, you know, fiber, micronutrients and, and that it, you know, it's so much better for you uh, that, uh, yeah, a lot of guys were just really inquisitive about it, which was really cool to see. Yeah. It, it's interesting because I think it's, even if you don't get folks to do the full switch it's it's letting them know that you don't need to stick to your chicken brown rice every single day you don't need to think you can actually have some really great food because let me tell you one of the things that i loved once i started because my family went vegetarian i want to say nice. six or seven years ago and i was kind of the holdout. i was the holdout yeah. i was like but i like my meat yeah, um yeah, yeah. 
once I discovered what you could do with chickpeas and some of the amazing oh. dishes and some of the Indian dishes you can make, it was oh, like, yeah. okay, I'm good. I'm good. Exactly. I don't need. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it, it's amazing. And you feel so much better. Right. So, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's just like so ingrained in your culture it, and it, it's, you know, it's interesting to see, but you know, and, and, and like kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, like I've been vegan so long now, like, you know, I think we, I think we account for like 4% of the world's population. Like we're not, we're not going to get everyone in the world to go vegan. It, it doesn't make sense. So anytime I can help someone keep an animal off their plate, it's a win for me. That's, you know, like that's, you know, that's more of what I care about is just helping people keep animals off their plate more often than not. And that's, yeah, that's all I can ask for. You know what I mean? It's it just, try, you know, try my best to kind of do that. And, and you're, like I said, we're not going to get the whole world to go vegan, unfortunately. So hope, hope scientists can make uh, lab growing meat more mainstream. And then in the meantime, kind of just teach people how to make delicious vegan food. Yeah, it would be lovely if one day we could ever get to the point and they're talking years down the line. But if lab grown could ever be cheaper than the traditional way, gone. the argument's yeah. gone, it'll it'll end up happening. Right. So, yeah, um, big thank you, John, for taking the time today. I know uh, we've we've chatted for a bit of, a, a bit off topic. We've talked on topic. I've got the chance to pick your brain on a number of different things. And I I really do appreciate um, you taking the time to, to chat with with me before we go. What's coming up for you? Have you got any events coming up? Any sort of charity events? Any something that we, that we want to like uh, throw a little promo on? And where can people yeah. uh, get a hold of you if they want to chat? Maybe throw you a DM. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate. Actually, I was just tweeting about it today. Um, we're not going to be able to do the next charity event we wanted to. We wanted to do. If you're not from Manitoba, you won't understand this. But we were going to do. Um, a fundraising social for uh, Manitoba uh, underdogs where, and it was going to be over Halloween. And so it was going to be like, a, it was going to be like a huge costume party with like a huge social. And it was going to be this huge fundraising event for them uh, with everything going on right now, especially everyone's kind of predicting this fourth wave that we're kind of in the middle of, but it, it, it just, it's not looking like we're going to be able to do that, unfortunately. So we're trying to, we're trying to figure out something else right now uh, to try and, to do something still because obviously we still want to do something uh so we'll keep everyone kind of posted on that it's still you know we still got another month and a couple of weeks away until halloween so uh we really do want to do a halloween fundraiser of some sort because uh you know it's been a long two years for everybody what yes. we want to do we want to do something fun uh but we want to make it like, as interactive as possible as well so uh, i'll keep everyone posted uh you can find me on twitter i'm i'm obviously very active on Twitter. My, my handle is at John rush 32. Uh, and you can follow me on Instagram at John rush five, as well as I have a, a vegan food blog. If you'd like to check out, uh, we donate 50% of all our proceeds to animal shelters. Last year we were able to donate, you know, thousands of dollars, which was a lot of, it was really cool. It was, it was a lot of fun. I didn't, I didn't expect that many people to kind of, to, to want to see the recipe. So, uh, the vegan food blog is called rescue dog kitchen. So you can check out some really delicious food recipes there as well. Awesome. That's great, John. I, here's a thought, though. I know you're saying you can't do something. Well, think about, you know, you're just exploring Twitch. I'm envisioning John standing behind some decks, dressed up lights, and you can just be the DJ for the night. People tune in and they donate. You know, there's something there. <laughs> that Yeah, no, that would be, you know, I've thought about it. I, I'm still exploring the whole Twitch world. It's It's not... It's it's interesting. It's not my current demographic who <laughs> follows me that would you know what I mean. So I, yeah. I would have to basically rebuild from scratch. So IG uh, live. So you know I was thinking IG live. The problem with IG live is it doesn't. I could I could go on forever about this. I'm very I'm you know talking about analytics. I'm very analytical and and IG lives don't do anything to kind of grow the brand. They it's it's difficult to uh like share them and, and get exposure on the ig lives or anything like that so, and there's no like donate button or anything like that so it, you know it's it's cool to be able to connect that way but it doesn't really do much so it's it's more just kind of like a, a big time suck for me um that doesn't help build everything uh so i'm still trying to figure it out because obviously with the uh, with the with the twitch it'd be like a whole new demographic and uh, one that I, I have put some polls out to my Twitter and Instagram that they haven't, they didn't really want. So I'm like, I'm like it's a ah. weirder, it's a weird place. Like, 
it's uh, weird maybe isn't the right word it's a unique place where yeah. it's driven by mostly i would say a different generation than i like i'm exactly. in my late 30s so times yeah. i'll be in a chat and i'll be like i have no idea what anyone is talking about right now exactly yeah yeah no, exactly <laughs> right uh, and, and even this like even what we're doing right now like you know when you sent me this thing i'm like i'm like bro like what what are we doing what's going on you know like, I, I know i understand i'm on the camera i can see the camera and everything like that but like but like obviously you're streaming this on twitch and i'm like uh I would have no idea. I would have absolutely no idea how to do this. So uh, it's, it, 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 yeah, we'll see, you know, it, it's a great idea. Like I would love to be able to do that and, and have a donation stream. And uh, I just, I just don't know if I'll be able to get that up and going in time for, yeah, it takes, uh, for, yeah. It takes a lot to, to, to be able to put these things together, especially if you're thinking about what you want to, what your scene's going to look like, what's the lighting going to be like. It takes time. Exactly. Like, yeah, know? exactly. So, um, but yeah, big thanks, John, for, for jumping on today. I really do appreciate it. Twitch weirdness and all. I, uh, I It's been a great conversation. And you know what? It's just, uh, it's it's a, it's honestly a pleasure to to talk to somebody who, you know, it seems to have uh, uh, their head in the right space and, and, and really, you know, thinking about more than themselves. It's refreshing and it's something that I, I, I love seeing in, in anyone who has a little bit of a platform to share. So big thank you. And uh, you know what? If if we don't chat soon, uh, maybe I'll run into you at a bomber game or a banjo bowl or something like that soon. But if yeah, not, no, for sure. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you. You know, you know me. I love to talk. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, we run into each other soon. So that was John Rush, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, as well as a avid uh, advocate for the community here in Winnipeg. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time with me. You can find all the previous episodes on your favorite podcast app just by searching Scoot Talks Sports. You can also find us on YouTube if you're interested in watching the old video on demand. But hey, this episode is recorded live on Twitch Sports, and you can actually be part of the episode by following at twitch.tv slash S-C-O-O-T-R. That's Scooter. And joining us on Monday and Fridays at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can always connect with me on Discord, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to find out all the ways and all the links, just go to Twitter, search underscore S-C-O-O-T-R, and you can find my profile and click on the link. Let's talk soon. Thanks again so much for listening.